This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Excited today to be joined by Dr. Allison Tothi. Dr. Tothi's an associate professor uh, in pediatric emergency medicine at the University of Chicago, one of the great academic medical centers and institutions in our country. Dr. Tothi, thrilled to have you with us today. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Dr. Tothi. Uh, like you said, I'm a pediatric emergency medicine at the University of Chicago. I have, I've had a uh, varied uh, career, but my uh, interest and expertise is at the intersection of strategic operations, patient experience, and physician engagement and physician wellness. And, and talk for a moment about where your focus is today. I know that you're a passionate speaker, you're a passionate thinker. What, what are some of the things you're most interested in focused on today? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, uh, well, it's, there's so many things. Um, uh, well, when I can get past my regular clinical job worrying about kids in the time of COVID-19, um, I'm still reminded of uh, how far we have to go to in care for our care teams, uh, especially during this time. I think it's, uh, we are, our physicians especially, are uh, at such a high risk of, of burnout, which is a little bit of an overused buzz buzzword, but I really believe it's true. And I think we um, owe it, I owe it to myself and my colleagues to help people, help us do better caring for our physicians. How do we do better there? It seems as though we're at this crux where there's not enough physicians, there's across specialties in a lot of areas, and we've got this growing, exploding population, and that just is what it is. And how do you actually solve burnout when there's just not enough caregivers for the amount of people we have to take care of in the way they want it to be taken care of? So I think that's a, a, a great question. So the, the reality is it's not, it's not a numbers game. I mean, I, I, the physicians that I know, including myself, are, are so passionate about what they do. Um, we just need to figure out how to support them on that journey. You know, it's not really in my mind, burnout isn't really, solving for burnout isn't, now while it might be part of it, it isn't, the solution isn't meditating or building a gym in the basement of the hospital so that physicians can go during their lunch break, which by the way, we don't get. Um, uh, but it's much more about how do we think strategically about operations? How do we maximize our results and minimize sort of the, the, the waste around our processes? How do we give our physicians 10% back in their day so that they can choose what they want to do with the 10% that they now have free? Um, because not everyone wants to go work out in the gym with someone else. They want to be with their loved ones. They, you know, want to go see a movie. They want to spend time outside. They want to go for a hike. They want to take their pet for a walk. I mean, there's so much opportunity in optimizing but, our clinical operations. You, you know, absolutely. And, 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 and does that mean, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, in, in many professions, people get to a spot where they can only talk to so many clients a day, so many patients a day, so many anything a day, without of course being overloaded or, or, or beat up. Um, and, 
And, you know, one way to manage that is to say, okay, you're going to have 10% less patient load or 10% less of some of these interactions that are more time consuming and more labor intensive are handled by somebody else. How do you sort of move towards that methodology to where we all know how life is. If you have eight, eight calls a day or 20 patients a day, a quarter of them are highly stressful. And the whole bulk of them at some point, at some point, it's just too many. It's too many for many people, for most of us. And so at some point you burn out. How do you solve for that without more physicians to spread the work around or shifting, as you say, operationally, some more advanced practitioners take some of that load off the physicians? How do you do that? Well, so, you know, I, I'm not convinced it's taking taking the load off by using advanced practitioners. I do believe that we should be allowing our physicians to practice at their level of licensing that they train to do. Um, however, you know, a really good example is I was in, I was observing a couple of years ago, I was observing in a geriatric clinic, um, just sort of the process, talking to some of the physicians and, and I was, it turned out that flu shots were available, but the flu shots were available the equivalent of a block away down a hall. And no one was transporting the patients down the hall. So a physician would spend all their time, their valuable time having a conversation with the patient. And then they would proceed to get up and walk the patient slowly, because this is geriatric clinic, remember, down the hall to go get a flu shot. And what could have been a 10-minute visit has now become a half an hour visit. So there are solutions that are operational that don't take away from the care that you're providing, but can be noticed and offset. And just because we do something, um, it, just because the answer is, well, this is how we've always done it, um, it doesn't mean that that's how we should be doing it. So, so that's sort of the nuanced of operations. I also think there are ways to think about not just improving operations, but thinking about um, are there ways to shift people's schedule? Do both patients and physicians want nighttime hours? Because maybe that physician, especially now with at-home schooling, maybe that physician needs to be home during the day and he's, he's responsible for school time or she's responsible for lunchtime. Um, and maybe they can do their telehealth time in the evening. And oh, by the way, that's when their patients want their, their um, time. So there are ways in, to, across the board to think about operationalizing. The flip side is, there also are, it's not all, it's not all on the, bur the responsibility of improving burnout on operations. It's also individuals. We as physicians need to set boundaries. We need to set um, uh, expectations when we are asked to do things. Sometimes we need to say no, that we can't commit to something. Um, and uh, we need to take that upon ourselves as well to uh, mitigate burnout for, um, for us individually. Talk about that issue, because I agree with you wholeheartedly on almost everything you say, including this concept of like putting a gym in the basement, putting a ping pong table in, <laughs> having a beer place. These are all band-aids and stupid to my, to my perspective. They're just sort of like, they look cute. Some administrator thinks they're a good idea, but they're all sort of dumb and they don't really solve true problems. This issue just hit. It's so important because all of us have seen in our professional careers magnificent employees or leaders that can't set boundaries, and because they can't set boundaries, at some point they have to leave the job they're in 
even though everybody wants them to set boundaries. Everybody that works with them wants to set boundaries because they're so valuable. How do you sort of, is there a way to move people to where they're willing or comfortable or confident? You know, so many physicians are so eager to please. They've always been an A student. They've always been so good at getting positive feedback. And, and they, then they have a hard time setting boundaries because just their personality is to please and to do great. How do you push people to say like, no, no, it's okay. You have to leave at six. You have to go home. You have to turn off your phone for a while. How do you get people to set boundaries? Is it possible? Um, it's often uh, very independent. I mean, I, I trained in the era before hours were set for, um, for residents um, where you just stayed and stayed and stayed. <laughs> and then you kind of went home and then you checked on your patients and then you went back. And um, uh, now I think we're doing a little bit better in the training era, like in the training world, certainly like graduate medical education has put um, parameters and boundaries on time spent in the hospital, which I do think has helped. Um, uh, but what I think you're getting at is the more, the more seasoned physicians, or perhaps even the junior physicians who are trying to make a career for themselves, and how do they transition off? Well, this is this is my my take on it. Um, medicine takes a lot out of us. It, it takes a lot out of me. It takes a lot out of physicians. Um, you are right. We want to do everything for our patients, and we absolutely do not want a bad event, um, a mistake, an error. We don't want someone to die. Um, we will do you know, anything for our patients. That being said, it's incredibly draining and taxing, and we need to be able to fill our cup. Because if we can't fill our cup in our in the rest of our lives, then we can't, we don't have anything to empty when it comes to taking care of our patients. The flip side is if we don't have a full cup also, then we don't have anything to empty when we need to care for our loved ones and take care of ourselves um, and our families. So, um, so I think it's incredibly important to figure out how to fill your cup. Um, and that can be anything from, you know, baking, knitting, reading a book, going to a movie, hiking, whatever that, spending time with your family, whatever that is that allows you to fill your cup in a way so that um, you have the internal reserve to be able to empty it again is incredibly important. And that really goes to it's so individual and teaching people to let that be, to choose their own path. How do you set boundaries? Teach them to set boundaries. Teach them to, like, make sure they're refilling their bucket. It, it couldn't agree more. Let me ask you another question, Dr. Tothi. You're, you're a, you know, this brilliant leader in pediatric emergency medicine. You know, I see a headline today, this many children have died of COVID. What are the things that you're seeing, not just with COVID, with, as an emergency physician for pediatrics, what are the things that you see? What comes across your, you know, what comes into your room? What do you see? What, what's out there that, that scares you, that worries you? I, mean, I don't know. What is it that you see as a pediatric emergency physician that keeps you up at night or keeps you hopping? Sure. Um, uh, injury and accidents, um, abuse, assault, um, you name it. You know, I practice on the south side of Chicago. Uh, it is an underserved patient population um, that is lacking resources. And our pediatric emergency department is often used 
uh, in place of primary care. Many of our patients have access to a physician in order to get uh, their vaccines, but when they're sick, acutely ill, they have an injury or an accident, their first thought um, is to come to the uh, pediatric emergency department so that we see them. Um, right now, our biggest, I, I think one of our biggest concerns um, in the pediatric emergency medicine world is that our volumes are down. Um, and I, I actually don't say that from the business revenue side. I say that for the caring for children side. Our, our, our revenue is down. I mean, I'm sorry, our, our numbers are down. And as a result, the kids that we traditionally saw that were, that were being screened for abuse or um, had an injury or um, had a developmental delay when, that we were catching in the emergency department were no longer seen. Um, because everyone is staying home. When kids don't go to school, 50% um, of our referrals for uh, um, domestic violence for child abuse aren't being evaluated. So there's so many kids that are um, missing uh, these really crucial um, appointments and evaluations. So that is something that absolutely keeps us up, uh, up at night. And that's a fascinating perspective, and it sort of goes to, I mean, the structure of everything we seem to be doing in our country at the moment, not everything, but there's a lot of it that just seems very convoluted and very off and very unclear, because as we solve for one problem that's a massive problem, we create other massive problems, which is always, I guess, the case. There's always a crazy number of unintended consequences that we see when we try and single-handedly solve one issue that's a big issue. But fascinating yeah. perspective. You, you have all these undiagnosed cancers, heart diseases, delays. You've got all these with children, tons of issues that don't get seen and that need to be seen, and just a and then a burgeoning number of mental health issues as well. So, a, a, yeah. so, so let me let me lead into the next question with that, Doctor Thoughty, because it seems like uh, as I talk about how messed up our world is, it seems like the appropriate <laughs> time to ask you. Are you optimistic about the future? You're a pediatric emergency physician. You're a brilliant thinker. You're passionate about burnout and a whole number of issues. I've seen you talk and I love listening to you talk. Are you optimistic about the future? Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So this is what I hope, you know, I hope that we learn from this. We learn not to put all our eggs in one basket of, um, you know, feeding kids at school only and um, uh, providing resources um, that extend across multiple levels so that people have access, not just in one place. Um, I absolutely believe that we have the capacity to do this. Look how, I mean, we have, um, I work with amazing colleagues and those colleagues are bright and intelligent and creative and outside the box thinkers. Um, and I can only imagine if given a chance, which I think they will, we will, be, we can solve for a lot of these problems. Might not be able to make COVID disappear right away, but the, the, there are so many other things that we need to solve for, and I'm absolutely optimistic about the future. I'm gonna ask you one more question, 30 seconds. Sure. What's no it problem. like having a career, a magnificent career, at a place that's as great an institution as University of Chicago. 30 seconds on that. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, I There is always someone that can help answer a question that I can be connected with. Um, people love to help other people think um, and solve for problems, and I'm uh, very honored to be able to be part of it. 
Thank you. Dr. Allison Tothi, what a pleasure to visit with you as always. Just fantastic. Thank you for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Sure. Thank you so much.